listening to the Power Up Podcast with your superpower experts. This is the place where we explore real-life superpowers and give you the tools to unlock your own. Hello, everybody. This is Tonya Don Reckla, your superpower expert, and I'm really excited to have with me today just a gem of a guy. That's how I would describe him. Scott Donat is this really cool... How to describe you? Like, I want to feel that energy again. Like, I love being in his presence. Like, he's got this quirky kind of solidity to him, which is, it's, it's an interesting juxtaposition, but when you really feel into it, it's absolutely perfect. And he wields it so well because the power that he has is so strong that I think that there's like this overlaying kind of, I like the quirkiness. I like that kind of concept for you that it allows the rest of us like to get it in a really cool and unique way. And he, and he does a lot of amazing things in the world. He's known as the foot guy. And so reflexology, absolutely amazing with his hands. And then we could talk some more about that. But, but without further ado, please join me in welcoming Scott to the show. Welcome, Scott. Thanks so much for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be with you today. Yay. So we like to just throw people in there and say, what are your superpowers? Well, just as I mentioned when we met, I'm a demon killer. (laughs) It's my definition of the dance that we do through the Way Through Workshop. And those demons, of course, aren't the horned Hollywood-style demons. We're talking about guilt and shame and abuse and trauma and the pains of life that ultimately, because of our inability to cope in the moment, later in life become something to get in our way. So my thing, my power, my gift, my tool is I help people to go back and deal with those demons and reclaim their power and move into uh, who they're supposed to be. And that's a, that's a choice. So that's our ultimate goal is to get people stripped back down to, to choosing who and how they want to show up in their world. I love it. And I love that you kind of take that symbolism with it. I think, I think sometimes our biggest challenge is the concepts of the journey and everything else people go through in their self-actualization processes are, you know, they, it's very abstract. It's very vague. And so the idea of demons and, uh, and using that as that analogy, um, I think is perfect because sometimes it does feel that way. I did a show here recently on chaos and darkness. And a lot of people ask me all the time if I believe in dark forces. And it's a really fascinating thing to explore at different levels. And so I think that the truth in that changes as people grow. Have you had that experience? Well, yeah. And in and of themselves, I don't think they have power. But when you have an unexposed demon that you haven't dealt with yet, there are powers out there. There are people out there who are aware of those things and use those things against you. So are there are there dark forces? There's people who are using your demons against you. So yes and no, it's not a force, it's a people. And, and if I'm not presenting those buttons for you to utilize to manipulate me, then the only thing that I enter into in any way of manipulation is something by choice. So it, it empowers me to walk around in my world being conscious. I like that. So give me an example of one of these demons. So my demon was rage. It still is to a certain degree, although the great big fire-breathing dragon is now what my wife likes to call the little two-inch snort. Uh-uh. <laughs> 
so although it's still there, it's much more manageable. When I arrived uh, to do my work in 1991 in Melbourne Beach, it was at the direction of my therapist who sent me there because she was stuck. She didn't know what to do with the rage and the anger and, and the alcoholism and the, you know, family trauma that I was showing up with. It was so bottled up and I had held on to it for so long that I needed something to rattle that loose. And when I went down and worked with my mentor, Art Sellers, he rattled that loose. And, and I was able to release this just massive amount of energy that I was utilizing to hold all of this stuff inside that was eating me up. So, you know, my best example is me. I was this 20-something-year-old who, in my alcoholism, believed that I was a superhero because I would beat up skinheads because I thought I was doing a good thing. Right. So there I am performing these evil acts. And I say evil, I take that for what it is. It's, it's this thing that is, goes against my moral compass. And there I was doing these things in the name of goodness. And it was just a lie. But it was my anger and it was my rage trying to express my core. My mm. core was I wanted to end racism and, and to everybody to love each other, but it was coming through the spectrum of, of rage and anger and, and hurt and disappointment. And when I was able to clear those demons, clear those energies, clear that emotional energy, well, then I became just an empowered man. Well, then my love was able to come through clearly. Then my passions about prejudice about truth and honesty and about being conscious of the vulnerable all came shining through in that good and balanced and beautiful way. Um, That's really interesting. I, I like what you're saying from the perspective of, you know, I think sometimes we do fool ourselves and, and maybe this is stages and part of the journey for most people is that, you know, you start off being, I call it unaware, and then we move into being hyper aware and then we move into just being. And I think in the hyper aware place, we, we are trying to get a foothold. We are kind of feeling into like, what, what do we stand for? And and what do we stand against in creating a lot of these kind of battles that really just representative of the battle that happens within us. And, and it's difficult to see because we live in a society that will absolutely affirm that there are bad things that happen and you have to take a stand. And I mean, you could stay in that cycle forever, you know, many, many, many lifetimes, right? And, and most of us do right. because so much of what we are inundated with affirms that. Right. Well, when one of the core principles that, that we function from is it's an inside job. It's an inside job to the point where it's an inside job every time, no matter what, it's always an inside job. Mm -hmm. So if, if I always come back to no matter where I end up in my following that dance out there into that world, when I find myself there, I know how to come home because it's an inside job. I took myself out there. I can bring myself back. I but, love it. Yeah. <laughs> I was threatening. I, I think it already exists, but, you know, with collective consciousness, it's hard to tell. But I was threatening to write a book called Own Your Shit, and it's all your shit. <laughs> <laughs> yes, 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 yes. <laughs> but it's hard to see because it's so easy to justify. And it's like, you know, I work with clients all the time. I'm like, and it's this constant, well, he said this and she did this. And I was like, every time those words come out of your mouth, just stop and go, I said this, I did this. And it's, it's one of the first ways I know of to really crack through that illusion of like, 
maybe that's not real. You know, I, I tell people, you know, everybody's just a little avatar playing in your game because when you can see it that way, it really does kind of get over that and, and rid the world of that kind of me against them kind of concept. Yeah, yeah, it's gone. And remember that it's not a switch. It's a process. It's work. <laughs> it is a process. It is work. You're not <laughs> right. You know what I mean? You're going to find yourself out of the canoe. You're swimming around beside the canoe and everybody's doing, dude, what are you doing? Get back in the canoe. You're like, right? oh, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Well, and it, uh, I love everything that you're saying because a, a lot of this, we, we get into this, you know, you, you, let's look at the superpower conversation. So we get into mm-hmm. the superpower conversation because people are fascinated with it. You know, they want their superpowers. They want to have telepathy and telekinesis and be psychic and all these things. And it, and it really is a phenomenal hook. We'll use that because it, it does appeal to that kind of playful childlike piece in all of us. And almost inevitably, there's a little bit of a, a falling out with folks when they realize that the only way to get those in any degree of reliability is to do the process. And it's a constant thing. And people ask all the time, well, how long is it going to take? And I was like, it's not a time thing. It's, It's a diligence thing. Like you have to be willing to stare things in the face and deny their existence in every moment. And you have to really be willing to change what seems so obvious. But yet when you look just under the surface, it's not obvious anymore. It gets really fuzzy. And then you get to choose what you want it to look like. But you can't do that until you willingly address, like, like you talked about, like the willingly like looked every single one of your demons in the face and said, wait, it's okay. Like maybe, you know, I work with Neva, you know, our daughter on the concept of her gremlins and she kind of hugs them and cuddles them and, and turns them from raging red to like this white, like friendly little creatures. It reminds me of your fire breathing dragons, but it's like, ultimately everybody just wants to be heard to include all your little pieces and parts, right? They all have fears and they all think that theirs is most important and the sky is falling and all this other stuff. And it's like, you you just have to listen and own them and kind of bring them up, but it takes work. First of all, you got to be willing to give all of those parts a voice, a moment in the chair, if you will, on the stage. For most of us, there's a line of folks all the way to the back door, waiting to sit in the chair because they haven't been heard for so long, okay? And that in itself, just that simple piece of all parts of you being heard without getting any work done at all, just allowing everyone an opportunity to be heard, reveals gifts, (laughs) reveals energy that's been stored, which should have been used to facilitate your gifts, your superpowers from coming to the forefront because you're here to do a job. Everybody is right? Yep. Everybody is. Yep. So. Uh, that's my bias. Uh, you know, I've had to really address that lately. So let's talk about that for a second, because okay. my bias is that everybody, first it was everybody is here to do something. Then I was like, okay, well, maybe I can say that everybody who's coming into awareness at this stage of the game has agreed to aid in this conversation in some way. But then here recently, it struck me because I talk a lot about the abstract frequency and what it looks like to be playing, you know, your own little game and to really rid yourself or remove yourself from the constructs and the matrix and everything else and, and kind of move into that space. And my, I operated under a really specific bias that said that Everybody secretly wants that, right? And I've really had to go back and forth and back and forth on that because I've met up with people 
who are like, no, I'm good. Like, I just want to be like, they really just want to accept some degree of the matrix and be happy within it. Like in the movie itself, where the guy's eating the steak and he's like, I know this isn't real, but, and I, everything in me is like, I don't think you can do that. Like, I don't think you can plug yourself back into the matrix. I think you can pretend for a little bit, but ultimately what I see is disease, mental illness. I see something occurring that will shake you out of it. And so it may take a few times, but ultimately I'm not sure we can relax back into the matrix once. Like I, I've used the phrase, you know, you've just gone too far. Like, you know, too much. You can't unknow what you know. Yeah. So but I, I don't know that that's true. I don't know. Oh, here's my thought on that. So let's use the matrix then as our metaphor and, and go back to the pill moment, the red pill yeah. or the blue yeah. pill, right? So in that moment, that's where I have found people where they're like, no, man, I, I, I want to take the blue pill. I don't, I don't want to wake up. I'm cool with where I am. Well, and, and you know what? We, we call that a tuck-in moment, okay? So you get to somebody and you nudge them awake and you say, dude, where you are is not real. Wake up. And they're like, no, man, I want to sleep. And you fight with them for a moment, but then you realize they're choosing to stay asleep. It's a tuck-in moment. You pull the covers up, you tuck them in, you give them a kiss on their forehead, and you hope for a better choice for them next time because you're wasting your time because they don't want to wake up. Oh, we, that's so funny. We, I had a friend of ours a few years back share with me. He said that the world is triage, heal the wounded and keep moving. And there's a lot of wounded, right? And, and when he first said he was a combat medic, right? So uh, actually I'll give him a shout out, Michael Pritchard. He, he's a veteran. He's actor, good friends with Robin Williams. He won a Emmy, I don't know the story. Anyway, great guy. Just a huge kind of bear of a guy. Neat, neat, neat person. And he said that. I'm looking at him like, that doesn't sound very loving. Like, I don't, like, that's not a very good description, right? And I really had to sit with it for a while. And the more and more I do this work, it's like, and I see exactly what you're talking about, where I learned that, like, I could spend two weeks with somebody who really just wants to be tucked back in, quote unquote, waste that time there. Or I could kind of call it out, see it for what it is, plant the seed, tuck them in, move on. And there's 50 other people I could have worked with in the process. Yes. Um, And that it took a little bit, though, to get over that. But maybe if I can just and I really had to call myself out on it, realize that was more about me than about them. Like, and, And if not me, somebody else, like some of us plant the seeds, some of us get to harvest the seeds with that person, but we're all doing all of it. Right. And, and we love the harvest the seeds moment because that's those aha moments. That's when somebody looks at you and is like, oh, my gosh, you changed my life. Well, the only reason those happens is because somebody else tucked them in and planted a seed somewhere along the line. And so we just got them at the point in time when they were really ready to hear it. So we all have to do all of that work, in my opinion. Like, so planting the seed sometimes is the hardest one because there is no aha. And sometimes they look at you like you're nuts or like you've got two heads or, or, or worse, really get very angry with you, you know, for you usually, yes. it. usually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. so what I find is the universe is a funny place. Like God, God's no slouch. Like the process typically goes, people wake up to their gifts. They connect with a bunch of people who are like, Oh my gosh, you're amazing. You know this. Oh my gosh, you changed my life. They get all the affirmations. So that's the universe kind of dangling the carrot. But then, and so then they settle into, Oh my gosh, this is a real deal. Like I can do this work and I'm, I'm good at it. And I, I, this is what I came here to do. And then comes the wave of people that don't agree with you. <laughs> like, because <laughs> now that you've committed to it, now you get the harder cases, you know? And, well, and it's so funny to watch this process for people because it's like, 
wait a second, let's go back to when it was like fun. And like, everyone's like, oh my gosh, you're so great. Everything's great. And it's like, yeah, but even Jesus got crucified. You gotta, there's, this is a continuum of, of being in that space. And so I love the analogies. Obviously I've thrown about 20 of them into the same conversation, but it's the, the, the whole tucking in kiss them on the forehead. That was perfect. That was phenomenal. Good job. Well, and back to what you were just saying, you know, there's that time of grace when you first wake up. And I think that's the really important for us who perhaps been on the road for a while to remind these folks who are just waking up. It's like, listen, listen, I know this sounds crazy because everything's on fire right now and you know stuff you didn't know before. <laughs> all very groovy. You got to work right now. You got to work really, really hard right now because six months from now, the heavy duty stuff's coming and your demons are going to get in your Mm-hmm. So while this is really on fire and feeling really groovy and yummy, do the work, right? Do yeah. that work where you go in and, and, and at least address the fact that there are, in fact, demons to work on, right? Not that you're going to get through them because it's a life dance, but that's kind of what one of the side effects of doing your demons is that you wake up your gifts. I like that. Right. Absolutely. All that energy now is is free and available for what the divine really wanted you to be doing in the first place. And that was making the place a better place to live in. Yeah. And I talk about that all the time that you really don't get to use and hone your superpowers in any degree of liability until you choose to use them for good. And I think that's that conversation around you. You have to get over some of these other pieces because by then they only really come online with any degree of reliability when you no longer need them to. Now they're just, a, you just utilize them in the work that you're doing, but you're not defining yourself through them because people, again, it, it, it's attractive to be like, oh my gosh, I can do this and I can do that. Just what you're talking about. But that's still an identification with them and feeling better about yourself or, again, identifying yourself through them. From that space, you, you may get lucky. I see this with a lot of folks in the psychic kind of healing realms is, is that, you know, you may get lucky because obviously you're getting information. Obviously, you're open to things. But if you don't work on your demons like you're talking about, then you cease to be effective at some point. Like the information then gets tainted with your own stuff. And it's really hard to be able to be clear in those moments and so it's only when you totally commit to to using them in a particular fashion and continue to do the work that i don't maybe is never ending i don't know if there's an end game that they become really truly usable tools for the for the collective but it's work well yeah and if you look at it from the place of that information that's coming through to that psychic that medium that person who's connected into the universal consciousness as that stuff's coming through it's coming through you right? So you're the filter that that information is coming through on. Are, is your filter clean? Is it grind up with your demons, your stuff, your illusions, your goo? Mm-hmm. And are you cleaning that on a regular basis? Because the work you do is going to go deeper and deeper for the people that you're coming in contact with, and therefore for you too. So your goo is going to continuously. So yeah, I think, you know, to to your last point, I I don't think it ever ends. I think you must continually clean your filter in order to be a viable and effective uh, tool in the game. If I'm a filter, I got to keep me clean forever. Yeah. Well, and that's the, you know, I'm I'm picturing an oil change as you're talking. (laughs) Right, right. 
or, or, or the it's the first of the month, honey. Change the AC filter so we have a clean filter, right? <laughs> There's so many analogies we could throw out there. Well, oh, and then we, we try and do a workshop a month in community as we grew this thing. So you know, one of the benefits of doing the work and, and creating this in your community for you, as we look to do this around the country, is you start creating that community where people come back and you open up that opportunity for them to come back monthly or every six weeks or bi-monthly and assist for free. So now they come and support the next group of people coming to do their work and in coming to support them, they clean their filters. Absolutely. So, so that, they, and boom, and it, and it grows and it feeds and it, yeah, it's a beautiful dance. When I tell people like you have to be willing to move into the role of the teacher and remain the student because a lot of this stuff, I see people get stagnant in that role as the student. Like they're con- they're constantly working on themselves, working on themselves and they get really frustrated because it's unfulfilling and I think that there's this misconception that, that it ends, that the process stops. And it's like, it never stops. Now you just move into, okay, how do you contribute to the world while you continue to do that work? And it does, in my opinion, it actually expedites those processes. And it's a great reminder, but I think that's why collaboration community are so crucial. And so many of us got that message. Like you have to figure out how to come together and do this work because as individuals, like it's easy to slip into our old patterns and to give those demons voices. If you don't have any accountability or anybody being like, you know, are you, are you hearing yourself? Like, do you want to be done with that story? And, and it really requires that sort of kind of ooey gooeyness of, groups, you know, and of people really coming together under that kind of auspice. I think it was lost when our culture started to move away from initiation, whether it's Rites be, of passage. Yeah, that, yeah place, I that agree. place where we move through our life and, and we move through that student, warrior, young teacher, uncle who teaches everyone to grandmother, grandfather who, who is the imparter of wisdom and, and the teacher of, of the gifts and the joy and the wondering. And you have a place where you move through your community and you learn these things. These things are imparted and given as the beautiful and wonderful gifts that they are. And we embrace them as these incredible, valuable, more than gold and frankincense these experiences of, of the people in our community. Yeah, I agree with that. I've often said that it, I see it, especially in westernized cultures, is we, we have these kind of prolonged adolescent periods because uh, there is no significant moment. And so, you know, you've got, even look here in the States, you've got 16 to drive, you know, 18 to vote, 21 to drink, 25 for insurance or whatever, you know, it's like, there's, there's no, like, I mean, I remember even after getting married and having our daughter, I was, I I don't know that I felt like an adult, you know, I'm like, at what point am I going to feel autonomous? Like, at what point am I like, is, is there this moment? And it just felt like this kind of prolonged thing. And it took quite a while before I was like, Oh, okay, now I get it. Like, now I feel that way. But there was a good decade or so in there that it was like, I don't, probably even longer, where I could honestly say I didn't feel like I had arrived into adulthood for any kind of, there was nothing to signify it. I'm like, how do you know? And when I think we could do things. Yeah. When do I know I know? When have I been imparted the right information? At what juncture, what ceremony, what ritual was there created where it said, okay, now you know X, Y, and Z. 
That's what it takes to be an adult, a parent, an uncle, an aunt uh, in this community. And, and here's what your responsibility is back to the community. And here's what the community is going to give you while you're in this part of your life, right? So there's this whole give and take that happens from community where you're fed and you feed and it's gone. We don't do that with each other. And it's part of what we're trying to recreate and reestablish as we, as we kind of flounder for ourselves here over this next few years. Well, and I think it's so cool that you're saying that. So, so for, for your community where you have these programs and then you invite people to come back, and assist like that's a clear delineation like now you're not just a student now you're a student teacher and then within superpower experts in the net membership i've always been very clear that we need levels not from a hierarchy but there needs to be progression because you take on different responsibilities there's just like somebody's got to say okay now now you're there because you know when i was doing my intuitive coaching work which really set the stage for all of this it finally like dawned on me. I was like, I would ask people like, what do you expect to happen? Like what, what is it that you think is going to occur that indicates to you that you get it? Like, what is there? Like the heavens open up, like the angel appears <laughs> to you, like what is going to happen? And you realize that people really had this preconceived idea that something would occur. And, and I was like, I see you already there. Like you already exist where it is that you think you want to go. Just yeah. be there. Right. Just be in that. Like it's a choice to do that. But I think people were waiting and it's almost like waiting for permission. So I was like, cool, I'll give you permission. Hominus <clears throat> Dominus, you're ready now. Go. And they're <laughs> like, oh, okay. And, and it made all the difference. And I'm like, who am I to give you permission? But we we're taught that it's egotistical, that it's that, you know, who are we to think this? Like we have all these fears and insecurities about it. And so it really sometimes does take somebody saying, here's the checkpoint. Good job. You checked it. Now you're this, you know, that's part of the reason why I started telling people what their superpowers are because it just, for whatever reason, it started switching. I was like, Oh, I do have those. And now they start using them responsibly because it's like, Oh, I have these. And now, I mean, it's so bizarre what we do to ourselves mentally, you know? Oh yeah. Because the gifts that have revealed themselves to me, because when I started on this, this dance, I was the turtle guy, very earthbound, very, all my medicine was very earthy, very turtly. I say that from a Native American perspective, but Mm -hmm. I hung out with Reiki masters and psychics and mediums and telepaths and people who could just pull cancer out of your body. And I was just Joe Guy, right? Who was just full of rage and anger. But when this work arrived, it opened up to me an opportunity for me to make a difference in the world where I didn't, I didn't need a superpower. Mm-hmm. So I came into this dance from the perspective of, I don't have a superpower. I'm going to learn this thing from the ground up. And mm-hmm. what happened in that process was I do have a superpower. In fact, I have several. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and they were revealed to me as I was willing to do the work because I wanted yes. to make a difference. Yes, I see that completely. And again, that, you know, people will be like, that can't be my superpower like that. I just do that all the time. And I'm like, that's why it's your superpower. Like it's the most natural thing in the world. And it's so beautiful. Then we have abilities. And that's why I delineate between predisposed superpowers versus unique superpowers, because there is a little bit of a difference. But I was just having this conversation last night about what are we just calling out like natural abilities as a superpower? And I, I, I was on a show being interviewed and this. The host asked me that. And I said, on some level, yes, but it's very purposeful because 
Yes, it might be the most natural thing in the world for you to do, but if it is, then that means that there's a way that you can up-level it. So you may be using it at a level one. Like I use the word compassion. I pick on compassion. So to say compassion is a superpower, it's like, okay, great. Like, uh, that's awesome. You know, everybody then has it. But not everybody relates to that. Not everybody resonates with the word compassion. And if you do, I guarantee there's a way for you to harness that and utilize it and challenge yourself to use it at higher and higher levels. And when you do that, it does have a huge impact. Like what's the ripple effect of operating in the world through compassion first? Like that's a, that's a huge world changer in my opinion. But most people who feel compassionate, it's just a, I just like people, you know, like I'm a people person or whatever. Like we try to disregard that. And it's like, yes, but why? Like, why you? Because I don't feel that way. Like, why do you have that? Because we make the assumption that everybody has it. Everybody uses it the same way. And it's just not true. Like over time, I've just seen too many examples of something that comes really easily to somebody being really powerful when they step into that space. Well, yeah. And they've always been powerful from that space. But because they've always been powerful, it's like for them, it's like watching grass grow. Mm -hmm. So this can't possibly be my superpower. This has always been me. I've got probably one of the most important foot guy clients that I have. And she's been in the military her whole life. And she has the ability to draw people to her and focus their attention on their own personal growth and healing, even when they don't want to, because they just do what she says. <laughs> I and love it. Said, well, I've always thought of myself as, you know, a bit bossy. And I yep. always, you know, looked at it as my military career. I said, well, the divine put you in the military because it was going to allow you to become an empowered woman so that you could teach young women how to do this when you're now, right? So she comes yep. and does the workshop, dumps a ton of grief, and realizes on the other side that her superpower is bringing people together, is directing people to their health and their well-being and their wonder. And mm. what's going to happen to her? What's going to happen to the people she loves? Wow. Mm. I I'm love just, that. Like, just excited to see what's going to happen in this woman's world. That's very cool. I agree. And I love playing the role that really affirms that for people. And I think it's important work to do. And so tell people that they're amazing. Tell people what you admire about them. We had a guy come the other day, uh, amazing guy, massage therapist. And I just looked at him and said, you know, he has this air of confidence to him that allowed me to relax into the work he was doing. And it was phenomenal. And I looked him in the face. I said, I really appreciate that about you. Because again, he, he's probably learned that that's a tool that he wields well. And so it helps in his work. But I think it's so much bigger than that and affirming that for people because we rarely see that in ourselves. It does take that reflection from others. And so um, I think that's really cool work in the world. So we, you know, we're, we're coming to that time. So I wanted to ask you if you have a live in your power story you want to share with our listeners of a time when you kind of got that intuitive guidance and, and you took action and what happened because of it. Well, yeah, I do. And for me, it's a fairly recent one. I recently entered into my second marriage about three years ago at the end of this month. And about six months into my marriage, I came home whining and fussing about my job. I'd been in the restaurant business at that juncture for about 38 years, from dishwasher delivery boy to restaurant owner. You know, I'd been 
everything. So she said, can you just quit your job? Is there not something else that you can do? And in that moment, something happened. And all of the doubt that I possibly could muster came running out of my mouth. And, <laughs> and as she, right, as she squelched one thing after another, after another, after another, after another, all I was left with was, I'm afraid. And she said, well, that's okay. We can do it anyway. Mm. So I think, you know, embracing the feminine, embracing my wife's knowledge and trust in what I was and what I could do and what we could do together. And just having faith in knowing that, you know, from that place of the divine feminine, I could just trust that I was in the right place. And I just quit my job that day. Wow. That's and a I great started, story. Yeah. And I started Foot Guy and I started, you know, doing workshops again. And here we are two and a half years later. Yeah. With things kind of flowing up and hopefully getting her into a place where she can, uh, she can retire in the next couple of years. I love that. What a fantastic story. It's so important to kind of heed that advice and you just kind of, you take the nudges and of course there's fear. It's like, you know, one of my favorite quotes from Dr. Strange is when the ancient one says, you know, we never get rid of our demons. We just learn to live above them. And, it, you know, you do it anyway. And it's easy to take action when it, it feels good and, and it's super simple. Are you willing to take action when it scares the crap out of you? And I, I think that's a powerful story. So I appreciate you sharing it with our listeners. Well, yeah. And, and I think when fear would have you stop, breathe and move anyway is kind of, you know, what you end up with coming out the other end of the way through. It's not about... I have all the tools. It's a certain level of faith that the right tool will arrive in the perfect divine order. And I'll intuitively know how to handle whatever comes up as long as I breathe and step forward anyway. Yeah. Just not freeze. Just don't stop. Keep walking. Yeah, I love it. Awesome. Well, where can people find more about you? We are at www.thewaythrough.org. Website still under construction, but there's a cover page there available for contacts. I'm also available at www.thefootguy.rocks, which also has information on the workshop and, uh, and everything else that I do. That's my main personal website. Awesome. Well, very cool, Scott. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's been delightful talking with you. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. And to all of you out there, as always, we appreciate your loyalty. And until next time, go out into the world, uncover your superpowers, and then change it. Take care, everyone. Bye. Are you ready to discover your superpowers? Go now to superpowerexperts.com and discover your superpowers today.